Double M on the X. That figures we flipped the whole format so Bill Guerin could come on at 4, and we could do uh, Captain Nemo at 4.15, and now he is late calling. Hopefully he'll call. If not, no big deal. He's not here anymore anyway. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. I, I spoke a moment ago about my affection for high school football, which starts tonight in the western Pennsylvania area. Let me tell you some of the athletes I saw play high school football when I covered it for the uh, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. I saw LeVar Arrington play for North Hills. LeVar Arrington, as a sophomore at North Hills, could have started at NCAA Division I football. I saw him play as a freshman, too. That was when North Hills won the state championship. He wasn't quite there yet as a freshman, although he did start uh, both ways all four years for North Hills. One of the most impressive things I ever saw in high school football was LeVar was punting for North Hills. And I think this was against Seneca Valley. The ball got snapped over his head into his own end zone. He picked the ball up eight yards deep in his end zone, dodged a few tackles, saw some space, ran 108 yards for a touchdown. I saw Bill Fralick play for Penn Hills, who just passed away uh, a year or so ago. And uh, when Bill was a senior at uh, Penn Hills, he could have played the NFL. And he went right to Pitt and played right away and did great. Although he never was quite the pro, the performer that he was in college or in high school. And I, I'm going to lost to say why. He was very good, made, made Pro Bowls and stuff like that. But he was a totally dominant high school lineman. Without question, totally dominant. It was frightening how he would manhandle guys on the line for Penn Hills, especially offensively. A lot better offensively than defensively. Of course, he played on the offensive side of the ball in college and pro. The first high school game I ever got paid to write about for a paper long since defunct called the North Hills Free Press, Central Catholic at North Allegheny, Dan Marino at quarterback. And I think Dan was a junior. Now, high school coaches back then, I'm pretty sure it's the same way now, they just wanted to run the ball. And Central had a real good back who played small college ball. Nick Masiosi was his name. So a guy named Rich Erdelai was the uh, head coach at Central then, and he would pond the ball behind Masiosi, and then if Central was in trouble, he'd have Dan, you know, light up the sky. So Central's down uh, by 17-14, I think, late in the game, and Marino just completes like seven straight passes, touchdown, a guy I went to Duquesne with, Joe Karsha, caught the, the, the touchdown to win the game. And just to cover that, I mean, that's my first paycheck for covered sports. Dan Marino was a quarterback for Central Catholic. How good was that? Uh, I saw Brian Davis play football for Wash High. He was a tremendous. Uh, he went to pit, flunked out. I think if that happened today, he would have got a pro shot and prospered. But back then, they weren't as amenable to, you know, recycling guys in pro football that had that had botched it in college. But uh, if you made me pick the best high school football player I've ever seen, might be Brian Davis. Played for Wash High, like I said, totally dominant. He used to gain so many yards if you kept stats at the game. 
He gained yards faster than you could figure out the stats. He was unbelievable. And then uh, finally, a guy who's my friend of this very day, I was covering a Central Catholic game at uh, Mount Lebanon Stadium. That's where Central played uh, their games back then, the AstroTurf Field. And the Mount Lebanon High Press Box then, I'm not sure what it's like now, was about as as, as big as a, a one-stall public men's room. All right? So when I worked in Mount Lebanon, I would put my, my computer, not a laptop, but it was a goofy, like, Radio Shack thing. I would put that in the janitor's office uh, underneath the stands. And by the way, I wonder if that janitor's still alive. He was a real nice guy. He let me do that a number of times. And, uh, and then I would watch the game from the sideline and just take notes there. So I'm on the sideline in warm-up, and I'm, like, right on the chalk. Well, it was painted on. It's, it's, it's turf. And I heard something whistle. I'm looking around. What is that? Every couple minutes you hear something whistle. It was the football. Mark Bulger of Central throwing it. It, it, The wind whistled through the strings because he had so much on it. Of course, Mark went on to a great career at West Virginia and at um, in the NFL level with the St. Louis Rams. So I have a lot of great memories from having covered high school football. And uh, just last year, I went to see an Upper St. Clair game, St. Clair and Lebo, because Jim Render, who's my friend and who I worked with for many years, was in his last year of coaching at uh, St. Clair. By the way, good luck to Mike Junko, uh, my friend Bob Junko's kid. I covered all the Junkos when they played for St. Clair, and he's the new head coach at uh, USC. But I I really enjoyed going and watching that game. It was a lot of fun. And uh, maybe I'll get to a North Hills game this year. I'm, I'm a North Hills fan dating back to when my mother taught there because Shaler got killed all the time and, and still mostly does. Maybe that'll change. I don't know. But uh, I was always sorry I never got to a North Hills game down the home stretch of Jack McCurry's career, the coach there, because uh, he's a great guy, a great friend to me, a guy I worked with for many years. And uh, there were so many great high school football coaches in Western Pennsylvania. Uh, Jim Render, Jack McCurry, Don Yanessa, Guy Montecalvo, uh, Bob Palco who left West Allegheny coaching his first game tonight for Mount Lebanon. If I'm omitting everybody, it's because this is all, anybody, it's all being done off the top of my head. But I, again, just to repeat, I can't say enough about the great institution of high school football in uh, Western PA. And it all kicks off again tonight. And if you're on a team or if you're going to see your kid play or your friend play or just going for any reason, the band, you should be excited. It should be it's always just a great occasion. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. Uh up next, I'll do what I should have done this segment. Captain Nemo, one oh five nine. There's no new news on Justin Verlander getting that reporter from Detroit barred from the Houston Astros clubhouse after the game on Wednesday. The reporter had covered Verlander in Detroit, and Verlander said he was unethical. What he meant by unethical, I don't know. Whether the reporter firebombed an orphanage or maybe cheated on his taxes. Keeping dude out of the clubhouse violated the CBA 
and the Bill of Rights and several commandments and maybe Title IX. And the Astros are still backing Verlander because this is the era where teams are terrified of their own stars. But not Jen Bellano, the PR lady for the Penguins. I've seen her slap sit across the mush when Crosby gets out of line. We are probably headed for reporters just not being allowed in the clubhouse. Like in English football. You get a press conference, but you don't get in the locker room. But do you really care about what the athletes have to say? How often does an athlete say something illuminating? Like Verlander said after the game, the results are the results. Indeed, Justin, the results are the results. And what if we didn't know he said that? Would anyone give a crap? I like having athletes on my show. Well, usually. Not always. You may remember the William Gay interview. But I've had two pirates on my show in the last decade. And I bet you haven't noticed. The media relies too much on what these simpletons have to say. Writing about games is just so dead anyway. Do you really read a game story in the paper or online? You already watched the game, seen the highlights at the very least. You know, the score. By the way, I don't go to the Pirates Clubhouse. They're them refusing to provide guests is their way of barring me from the clubhouse since I don't go to the clubhouse. It would not go at gunpoint. Okay, maybe at gunpoint. I will be in the Cambry Club tonight waiting for the fight and sucking down White Claw. Now, I am unethical. From that viewpoint, the Verlander criteria would seem to apply. Captain Nemo brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Got Tim Benz up next. Don't know what happened to Bill Guerin. Maybe he got fired already. Or maybe he realized that he has Parisi and Suter under contract at like 7.5 per until 2025, and they're already 35 and 34. He just said, oh, I got to take a nap. I'll get to Madden later. Uh, that Verlander thing. Uh, the conflagration after Verlander had this guy barred, that's far more interesting than anything Verlander has ever said because he never talks about nailing Kate Upton. And don't you feel like Kate Upton could have done better? Verlander's got a face like a frying pan, and Kate's got her own money. Mark my words, she's going to bolt and then bang Bradley Cooper like they all do. Here's some trivia. Do it on do it on Twitter though. Don't call the show. About this. Name the two pirates to appear on this show in the past decade. At Mark Madden X. Name the two pirates to appear on this show. I'll give you a hint. One was a fan of the show who wanted to be on it. And when you hear who it is, you'd say, Yeah, you know what? I can see that guy being a fan of the show. So what two pirates have appeared on this program in the past decade? And like I said, I don't think the show suffers at all because I don't have pirates on it. Maybe if they didn't stink. I keep seeing on Twitter how Cervelli was one of the best three catchers in the league in the past five years, and they quote all these stats I just never heard of. Guy made too much was hurt too much. And anything you can say with stats and then that abstract stuff like flipping constant framing pitches, yo, flip this mf or it, it just, it, it just, it, but it goes to show you. And Pirate fans, I got to tell you, and if you see me tonight at K, at um, 
Well, you won't be in the Camry Club because only rich people go there. But if you see me, like, on the sidewalk, know that I'm embarrassed for you. How can you just try to act like this is anything besides an utter shambles and embarrassment? Just take your medicine. Know you stink. Say we stink. Cervelli stinks. They all stink. If Cervelli's one of the top three catchers in baseball the past five years, how come they sucked anyway? What it is is what I've been saying uh, since Cervelli got released. The Pirates stink, but you won't admit that because you're too stubborn, and so you have to invent heroes. And by inventing heroes, you try to masquerade as if they don't stink, but they absolutely stink. And you stink too. If you think they don't stink, then you stink. And they still stink. 412-333-9939. Tim Benz joining me next. We'll talk... uh, about the Steelers. You know, the game Sunday at Tennessee, when Ben's going to play some, are you looking forward to seeing Ben play, or are you just going to be scared to death that he gets hurt? That's weird watching guys in meaningless games. Because, you see, I just don't think there's anything to be gained. Who was it? Jerry Dulac on the show yesterday. Well, if Ben wants to play, what are you going to do? Tell him he can't play. You're not playing. I, I, Whenever they come up with those things you can't tell the star athletes, they should hire me. I'll tell them. I'd say, Ben, you're not playing. You don't like it, go kick rocks. You're not going to walk out. You're not A-B. Just get ready for Foxborough. It's going to be tough there, you know. But we are in an era where the teams are scared to death of the star athletes. Like this Verlander thing. The Astros media director should have told Verlander, look, we just can't ban the guy from the clubhouse. That's not how this works. What's Verlander going to do? Go home? I don't think so. But the teams are scared to death of the star athletes. Except Jen Bellano. I've seen her slap slid right across the face. Uh, I think she kicked Patrick Hornquist in the balls once because she was mad. It's nutty down there. It's nutty. Former Newcastle cheerleader. Shaler at Newcastle tonight. Jen and I should have a bet on the game. Except I'd want to bet on Newcastle and should want to bet on Shaler. 412-333-9939. Up next, Tim Beds, 105.9. At 105.9. Joining me now to talk Steelers. Always a pleasure to welcome Tim Benz from the Trib. Tim, why is Cam Kelly good? What's enabled him to come from the AAF and apparently claim a role on defense for the Steelers? That's like out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know if he's good or if the opportunity just happened to be there because of Sean Davis's absence. And let me also say maybe the comparison is to Sean Davis, who's okay but has never quite lived up to second-round billing. Uh, from what I've been able to gather, he's smart, he's versatile, he's rangy he's got long arms and good hands when he closes on the ball so they like all those attributes of him but you know i'm not exactly turning him into donnie shell yet by any stretch just because he might be pressing some of the other steelers defensive backs for playing time how is that going to shake down with the sub packages they seem pretty complicated i read about them and i don't understand what's going on a lot of hybrids you got mike hilton moving to safety you got Barron, who's kind of a linebacker safety. You got uh, Terrell Edmonds, who could be that. Cam Kelly. I mean, try to break it down for me because I I don't get it. 
Well, I'll try, and I think part of the issue, and I heard you talking to Jerry Dulac about this yesterday, Mark, and you alluded to it before he came on, it's the reporting. Like, people who have been up at camp watching the different different defensive alignments have sort of picked their favorite and kind of advanced which one is going to be out there the most. Um, I know I've heard a couple times people suggest that Steven Nelson might go in at the slot and Artie Burns might bounce outside in some looks, and I talked to Nelson about that today. He said, I really haven't been in the slot at all in the nickel position since training camp started. And yet some people saw that mini camp and they're still kind of pounding the drum. So my belief is generally speaking, still they'll have their, their preferred primary defense. If everybody is healthy, that will be on the field. The most often is the two linebackers in a nickel look. And I bet you we see Steven Nelson on the outside at one corner, Joe Hayden on the outside at the other corner and probably Cam Sutton or Mike Hilton inside as the nickel cornerback the slot cornerback if you will and what what package will be used the most like i i know they their base is going to be about 25 percent of the snaps how will it go from there yeah I, I think it'll be the nickel unless we learn that mark Barron is just another version of morgan burnett and i don't think that he will be and if that's the case they go dime because as we've just chronicled they've got some more parts at defensive back but I don't know how great any of those parts are. Remember, we were talking about how much they may or may not use Cody Sensabaugh last year at this time. You know, So um, I'm not sold, as some are, that the secondary is going to be a lot better, but I at least know that they have more combinations that they can use and try to maybe help each other out in terms of who has which attribute. Tim, uh, Bud Dupree needs to have a great year for his sake. He's in a contract season does Stephon Tewitt need to have a great year for the Steelers' sake? I feel like Tewitt throughout his career has been good, and there's no faulting his effort. But I think like there's an extra gear there that could kick in yet. Well, they paid him like there is one, and they're still waiting for it. Uh, to both points, yes, I think the Steelers definitely need more out of Tewitt before they get it out of Bud, because at least Bud has the option of flushing guys over to T.J. Watt, who's becoming a really good playmaker, a really exciting player, not just a good outside linebacker when they draft him late in the first round, but an excellent one, a Pro Bowl one, perhaps year in, year out. Um, now, also, that they, if he gets healthy, Ola Adani could help with that other outside linebacker position if Bud doesn't come through. But uh, as you alluded to, with the contract year being what it is, it's more important for him. But to it, uh, I think you're spot on there. For what they have paid him and for what he does in glimpses and flashes, he can be a play wrecker when he is totally on. Uh, we saw that in the first series against the Browns a couple years ago, two years ago, when he hurt himself and then was out for a while. Uh, he messes up other teams' offenses uh, when he is right. But I just don't think they have sucked enough out of him for the contract that they have paid to this point. How close will Devin Bush be now to what Shazier was before he got hurt? I don't know if he'll ever be as good as Shazier was when he went out because Shazier has more size. I will say this, though, from a mental aptitude point of view, and Ryan was a smart, instinctive player, uh, but I feel like just knowing the defense and knowing his body and what he can and can't do, Devin Bush might be a little bit ahead in that context. Ryan was so wildly athletic. I actually think that Bush channels guile for his athleticism uh, to a degree, Mark, that, that maybe Shazier didn't do until his last year and a half before he got injured. Shazier's working with Devin Bush pretty closely. I, I guess that makes sense because they are very similar, aren't they? 
Yeah, they are. Like I said, Caesar's a little bigger, and maybe he just has some more raw athleticism. But what they are asking of Bush is still very similar to what they were asking of Shazier. And, Mark, you heard the analogy. It didn't come from us in the media. It was Mike Tomlin himself who drew the comparison of that first preseason game from Devin Bush to that of the first preseason game of Ryan Shazier. And it wasn't just the raw stats. And, boy, the stats were almost identical. 11 tackles and a pick and a pass defense for Ryan Shazier in that game against Buffalo. Devin Bush, 10 picks, had a pass defense that was taken off the board because of a defensive penalty against Tyson Alualo. But the stats were nearly identical, and the plays that they were making, especially Bush going from one side of the field to the other to help guys bring other their tackles down. The, the ball carrier would get to player X, and then Bush would be player Y to finish off the tackle, coming from distance, covering grass. That was the phrase I kept hearing over and over again from other guys in the locker room in speaking about Devin Bush, how much grass he covered to come and wipe out tackles so they couldn't be missed and guys couldn't get yards after initial contact. We're talking to Tim Benz here on the X. Uh, Staying with Bush, uh, you mentioned him covering uh, a lot of ground. And let's talk about the ripple effect of that. Uh, That raw speed means the rest of the team doesn't have to cover as much ground. And that's what Shazier did. That's what he added, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And when you feel like somebody else can do it, you don't feel like you have to cheat and get yourself out of position. And I think the Steelers have been guilty of that, uh, especially since Ryan Shazier went out. And to their credit, from a football instinct point of view, Mark, I think the defensive players all wanted to do more. Like, you know, that there's that inherent, you know, when the star player goes down, I got to do more. And at times that translated into you were doing less of your own job and trying to do somebody else's. And I do think the Steelers got themselves into a pickle um, in certain circumstances once Shazier went down because of that. And I'll give you somebody else who's going to help uh, in that context, and that's uh, Terrell Edmonds. And I think you're going to see some of the effects that you saw with Troy Polamalu from year one to year two. And that's one of the most dramatic jumps I've ever seen a football player make, period. Year yes. one to year two, Polamalu. But if you could get... 50% of that, 60% of that from Edmonds, I think you're going to see a safety who can also help erase mistakes. And once a ball carrier or ball catcher does secure a pass or get to the second wave, he doesn't allow it to get to the third. Is it going to be Bush and Barron inside? Is that shaken down like expected? Is, is Vince Williams still going to be in the base? I do think he'll still be in the base, but I bet you, you know, that base defense is somewhere in the – 30% used range. They became so much more reliant on sub-packages last year than even the year before. The guy, Mark, that I'm, I don't know if I want to use the word concerned, I'm curious to see how they implement because of that is Hargrave because I thought Hargrave had a real nice season last year and they don't know what to do with him contractually this year. He may not get done before the season because they're not quite sure how to pay him and maybe he's asking for more like, you know, 4-3 interior lineman money, but I, I I don't want to see him disappear from their plans just because they go into sub-packages. I'd like to see him, you know, for instance, uh, spot Stephon Tewitt on one drive and then maybe Cam Hayward on the other and make sure he's still in the mix. He's the guy that I'm more concerned about seeing how he's implemented than Williams, who I think has a pretty defined role. And that's He's good in goal line, we know that, and uh, I also think he's good in the base. But uh, we'll see how often that base is actually used with him out there. Uh, I've been asking people all week, what is the state of Sean Davis at safety? Because he's a bit polarizing. A lot of people think he's good. A lot of people think he's bad. 
I think he's exactly where he should be. I, I don't think he's merited a huge contract from them as of yet. I thought he was better than a lot of other people did in making the switch uh, from strong to free last year. That was a bigger jump than maybe some people wanted to give him credit for. And I thought he made that transition easier than I expected. Now, did he make enough big plays there? No, but maybe the big plays come this year because he's more secure in what he's doing. I'll allow what I referenced before with Edmonds, but on a different level. And, and if that's the case, Mark, then, yeah, they're going to have to bid to keep him. But then again, that's a position that they've cycled players through without much concern. And if they do have a playmaker uh, like they have, they think, in Edmonds, then they can deal with a change over there. Remember what Troy Palomalu had, correct me if I'm wrong here, uh, at the end, Mike Mitchell next to him. He also had uh, Ryan Clark, and he had Chris Hope at the start of his career. So, They've found guys two, three years at a pop to play that position. And if they have to go to free agency with Davis, so be it. And maybe like Bud, he's all the more keyed in because he knows it's a contract draft season. Who's the number two quarterback? I think it's Mason Rudolph. I don't think you make that decision to uh, draft Mason Rudolph in front of Josh Dobbs unless you want him to be the number two by this year. And uh, like you mentioned before, I know you picked up on this too, as did I. They're looking for a number two tight end. They've got Blaine Gabbert down in Tampa as their backup quarterback. If Josh Dobbs continues to flash out there, uh, maybe they work out a deal with old buddy Bruce Arians and they get one of their three backup tight ends to be an assist should Vance McDonald go down. Because I I like those three guys that they've got there. Uh, That guy Tanner, whatever his name is, Hudson, really lit up the Steelers and then the Dolphins the next week. Cameron Brates overpaid at $7 million, but maybe if he gets cut or they can work out a deal of some sort, he comes here and they don't have to absorb much of the contract. And then you've got uh, Eau Claire, who, if nothing else, is a very good blocker as a number two tight end. Uh, maybe that's the deal that you have there if you give up Dobbs for one of those guys. Who knows? Who gets cut at wide receiver? Great question. Uh, probably Spencer, even though he might be the best true return guy. And complicating this mark right now is uh, Deontay Johnson hurt again. I don't know how much time they're going to see out of him, but they got to keep him because they put a third, uh, a third draft grade on him. I think it's him, and if I had to make if I had to make a choice between the number one and number two slot guy, I would probably go with Switzer. But I think Ben really likes Rogers. Why on earth would they need Switzer and Rogers? I don't think they do, especially because neither is a real demon covering kicks on special teams or tries to do it at all. Tevin Jones is their best guy there, but I think they were trying to get away from having the, the designated tough guy wide receiver. Matthew Slater type because that's all they got out of Darius Hayward Bay and that's pretty much all they're going to get out of Tevin Jones. Uh, have Boswell and Barry done enough to keep their jobs at kicker and punter respectively? I think they did and maybe that's because they didn't get anybody that's all that great to press them. Uh, I don't think uh, the backup punter Barrowman has a big leg. This is not all that consistent and pretty good at sounding guys inside the 15 or the 10. Uh, I don't know if Barrowman has that skill yet. And the backup kicker, which is named Wallace, and I don't think he's got the leg to match uh, Boswell, even if it, you know Boswell's leg is erratic. Uh, I think Boswell's done it too. Well, we'll see. Like the last two preseason games, but so far he's been fine camp. You wouldn't have known he had disastrous year last year. Why are the starters playing at all on Sunday? In particular, Ben, I just don't see an upside. Yeah, it's risky. And uh, like you said, more and more teams are starting to get away from it. I've always been one who says you don't need the starters to play. Hey, if they don't need it in major D1 college football, you shouldn't need it in the pros with all the practice time they get. Uh, I'd rest all the guys. I get it with banning the offense this year a little bit if you're going to do it because of all the new moving parts. 
But, Mark, if you're only going to do it for two drives, what's the point? Like, you're not going to work out a lot of kinks in just two drives, are you? I mean, if you're going to do it, then I'd do it for a full half. Or if you're going to do it, I'd do it for two games like the Chiefs did. Uh, for just two plays, it's all risk and I think very little reward. What's the biggest area of concern with week one against New England just a couple weeks away? I think the biggest area of concern is the, their um, moving parts on offense and the very nuanced defense that the New England Patriots can throw out there. I think there'll be some confusion, some things to work out with the various roles of the wide receivers. And doing it against New England is probably the last team in the world that's going to want to do it against. And that probably goes to the defense to a degree too, Mark. Like you said, the different layers of who's doing what, nickel and dime. Boy, if there's confusion, guess what number 12 is going to figure out really fast in red, white, and blue. <laughs> Tim, great stuff as always. We'll talk soon. All right, Mark. Thanks. Appreciate you having me on as always. That is Tim Benz. Check him out in the trib pretty much every day and twice some days, I think. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. Uh, I want to get your input on that Verlander thing. He he had that reporter from the Detroit paper banned from the Houston clubhouse, rather delayed. He didn't want that reporter there while he, Verlander, was talking. Then Verlander pointedly refused to talk to him once the guy did get in. If you never read or heard another interview with an athlete, how much would that affect your perception of sports? I'm curious to hear that. I, I really am. Also, I uh, I put a question out before. I've only had two Pirates on my show in the past decade. Who are they? A lot of people guess Sean Casey. That that He played for the Pirates in 06, I think. That's a little further back. A lot of people got A.J. Burnett, which is true. He was the fan of the show. At least I was told that. The other was Tony Watson. Some people said Neil Walker. As much as I like Neil Walker... And as much as he and I have gotten along over the years, he just didn't want the heat for coming on the show while he was a pirate. You may recall he went to the Mets in that trade and was on the show a week later. Four one two three 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 ninety nine thirty nine. It's the Mark Madden Show at one zero five nine. Going to the Bucko game tonight. Fight, fight, fight. Buckos, let's see if you have balls. You don't have skill. You don't get wins. You can't even stay respectable. Look at all these lopsided losses. The last four losses, the Pirates have lost by a cumulative score of 38-3. to So you can't play, so you might as well fight. I'm going to talk more about that at the top of the hour. 412-333-9939, the number to call. I, I am amazed. Well, no, I'm not amazed. Chagrins may be a better word, but I can believe it. The Pirates have lost 30 of 38. As I just mentioned, they've lost their last four. Their last four defeats have been by a combined total of 38 to 3, and nobody gets fired. Whether it's Huntington, Hurdle, Searage, heck, even a base coach, under these circumstances, somebody has just got to get fired. And nobody's gotten fired. My poll yesterday, at Mark Madden X on Twitter, 78% of you said that Hurdle should be fired. But he's not been. They are just operating that organization from a far different perspective than any other organization in Pittsburgh 
Although, sad to say, I think a few organizations in baseball do run their team like that. That's where the cap forces, not parity, but at least competitiveness. Because don't forget, a salary cap comes with a salary floor. The Pirates are spending a little more than half as much as the average salary, uh, average payroll in MLB. If there was a salary floor, they'd have to spend more. But the hillbilly prince, he likes things just the way they are. I'm wondering when Francisco Cervelli's number will be inducted into the like their retired number thing, that ring of honor they have. And I say that not even remembering really what his number was. I mean, the guy is so inconsequential, I can't even remember his number like the day after he got released. And he signed with Atlanta. And I guess he's going to catch again after saying he wasn't going to catch again. What a stink sandwich the Pirates really are. And every day we take another bite. Uh, Apparently nobody cares about the uh, socio issues of sports like Verlander getting that reporter barred from the locker room. I will say this. People say, well, he's got a right to make a living. He can make a living without talking to Justin Verlander. Verlander was an ass, but I don't see this guy as quite the victim that many in journalism do. If I were that guy, that Fennec, whatever his name is, the Detroit writer, I just would have said, okay, and I would have dug up every piece of dirt I possibly could on Verlander for a couple months and then wrote something exposing him. Now, if there's no way to do that because he, you know, has led a pristine life, then that's that. But you know Kate Upton just ain't banging him. There's just no way. Again, two words for you. Bradley Cooper. Up next, I'm going to talk more about what I hope is a bench-emptying brawl tonight between the Pirates and the Reds at PNC Park. I'm going, and I feel that I'm owed that. 105.90X.